0: for November 17, 2023. I am Brett Burney from appsinlaw.com.
1: This is Jeff Richardson from iPhone JD.
0: Hi, Brett. Good morning, Jeff. We want to say thank you once again to our fantastic sponsor, Lit Software, who are the makers and developers of TrialPad, the TrialPad app for the iPad, the TranscriptPad app. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, them a little bit later. But I was thrilled to hear, Jeff, that the Bitterant is back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but you had a post this past week on the fact that uh, you can now actually use CR2032 batteries with bitteret coatings in your Apple AirTags. Now, yeah, which is
1: good. Because are right those are the world. ones... Yeah, those are the ones that you should have. I think only Duracell makes them, if I'm correct. Maybe some other manufacturers do. It might just be Duracell. But those makes so much sense because although you know my kids are teenagers now, Brett, but I yeah. remember, and I'm sure you do too, when kids are little, they put everything in their mouth, and something like one of <laughs> right. these, you know, batteries that almost looks like a little candy or something. I can totally see them picking it up and trying to swallow yeah. it, which is just very dangerous. Right. So That's it exactly just like a wafer. So it makes perfect sense that you would want to put something in here that when you stick it in your mouth, it makes you want to. Instantly, you know, say and uh, take it out of your mouth. But as I reported last year, when I bought some of these and tried to use them in an AirTag, it didn't work for me. And at the time I was I was traveling abroad and it was really a pain. So um, I was thrilled to discover that that Apple and the batteries companies, DoorCell, others maybe have gotten their act together. And so now yeah. you can have the best of all worlds. You can have the bitter encoding and it works with the AirTags. So the next time that I go buy some, this is exactly what I'm going to buy.
0: Yeah, I liked how you have the little picture here cuz in, up in the upper right corner it says what compatible with AirTag. Like that exactly. wasn't there before uh, on those. My my absolute favorite uh part of this is the little <laughs> the little logo <laughs> that they that they put on these battery packs now. It's this little little baby with Xs for eyes and the tongue sticking <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> called bitter taste i'm like hey if you don't know what that means then uh you know you might need to if there's to ever a, something.
1: a picture tells a thousand words that's a picture <laughs> that tells a thousand words everything you need to know absolutely
0: about it right there. <laughs> how about some rcs some really cool software at least that's the way i put it i think this actually stands for what rich communication services you reported on this i saw a headline and i gotta be admit i'm not i wasn't Too sure what was going on here, probably because I'm a little too Apple centric because it sounds like the RCS support that Apple is offering now is going to help us be a little bit more friendly in our communications with our Android using brethren.
1: Sure. So, you know, way back when we had text messaging, right? I remember back during Hurricane Katrina. So that's 2005. uh, The cell phone network wasn't working in New Orleans because, you know, of all the disaster. And it was the first time that me and a lot of my friends and family started to use text messages. And that was back in the days when, you know, you didn't have a keyboard. So like to make the letter P, you would have to press the number 222 and then 33, all that sort of stuff. So text messaging has come a long way. But years and years (laughs) ago, Apple realized that the original... SMS text messaging yes. was just too too simplistic, and so Apple developed its own iMessage to have so many many more features. You know, you could have longer messages, you could have rich rich text, you can have yeah. you know the, the little thumbs up features, you know, all the different things they've added on top of it, and it works great when iPhones are talking to iPhones or other Apple products, but right. you don't have the features when you talk to people using Android, and so. Over the years Google has tried various efforts to have its own system that is similar to iMessage and the most recent one is RCS which is technically a standard but since you know really the only alternative to iMessage and, and the iPhone is Android, you know, it's, it, yes, it's right, a standard, right. but it's also just sort of like the Google system. And so Google for months now, for years has been saying, you know, let's get at, you know, Apple needs to adopt the standard and Apple needs right, to right. do the same thing as everybody else in the world, which is really just them. Um, and they even ran a big campaign on it back in September, like ads, like, you know, Apple, why won't you get on board? And, you know, Apple has publicly said in the past, you know, we're fine with our current system. So it was when I saw okay. the news this week, I was... I was surprised. I was like, wow. Now, you can argue, are they doing it because maybe European regulators are pushing Apple to have more standards, compliance, or is Apple doing it out of the goodness of their heart? But the bottom line is, you know, it's going to take them a year to implement this and we don't know the details, but the end result is going to be, you're not going to get all the iMessage features, but you'll get more. I mean, for example, if you've ever tried to send like a big movie or a big picture to someone with Android using text messaging and it's a pain in the butt, that should be fixed. Um, Now, currently, RCS is not encrypted. So if you're worried about the Mm. privacy of your messages, as soon as you send it to someone on RCS, you lose all the encryption where you keep that if you communicate within the Apple network. But um, we'll see how this all gets worked out. Now, a lot of people have said, oh, does this mean that Android people will no longer be green bubbles? And uh, the answer to that is <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> that's going to stay exactly the same. Yeah. So yeah. even though they will have a better system <laughs> with RCS, they will continue to be green bubbles. And you know, you can argue whether that's fair or unfair. But I mean, it's just Apple's way of indicating that when you're communicating with the blue bubble person, you have encryption, you have all the advantages of iMessage. Right. Uh, and right. if you're not, whether it's traditional SMS or this new RCS next year, Apple's going to indicate that with the with the green bubbles. So, um, I mean, I, I, I've, it's it's good upside for consumers, and I'm glad that Apple's doing it. Although, you know, Apple doesn't always like to play in the open world. They're they're often happy just to to live in their own little sandbox.
0: Sure. And I mean, you know, in addition to the security aspects or the security benefits of using iMessages, obviously, that's the first thing people should be thinking of. But it also allows me to do like tap backs, which I can't do when I'm, you know, do easily when I'm when I have an Android person that's in the Mm -hmm. mix of a conversation, for example. And again, I know that's that's a little less important maybe than the security aspects. But, you know, it's just I'm used to doing the tap backs, a little thumbs up or something like that. And when there's an Android. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't
1: work to be supported. Hopefully, tab will True. work just fine next year, but it wouldn't be right, surprised right, if right. like maybe, maybe Memoji won't work. You know, we'll, we'll have to see. That's right, There's going to exactly. be some features that will, some features that won't. Stickers, you know, for example, that's a big thing. Um, right. Are stickers going to work? But well, we'll have to see how it gets implemented. Yeah, but regardless, yeah. you know, the, the the bottom line is we're going to have more features implemented than we have now. That's for sure. It's not going to yeah. be everything, yeah. I'm sure, but it's going to be more than we have now. So, um, you know, group texting. I know that that's an issue. Some people like exactly. to have group text. Right. And, that's you know. I'm Saying, if right. there's one person that has Android, they often just don't even include them in the group because it messes up all the features. <laughs> so it would be nice if, right. if you wouldn't have to you know, exclude if you. You would have to people. do that. I, yeah. I,
0: I, I really think now that I understand it a little better and you're always so good to explain it, that th- this has got to be a good thing. I mean, I, you know, I feel like we've gone enough years now with iMessages and it's so kind of baked into, to, to my, you know, general level of life and whatever I do and the people that I, that I communicate with. I really just hope that by this time, Apple will be able to roll this out correctly. I like a couple of things here that Chance Miller in this article, uh, that you linked to. This is not Apple opening up iMessages to other platforms which i think that would kind of hurt that potential security there instead he says it's the company adopting rcs separately from imessage uh which i think is great and then last year like at the very bottom uh, I like how he says, we have come a very long way since Tim Cook's rebuttal of RCS back in 2022, which uh, at the time, Cook said Apple hadn't heard from many users about RCS. <laughs> in other words, Tim Cook was like, yeah, we don't, it's not a big deal. Nobody's asking about it. Uh, so, in fact, I think he said, buy your mom an iPhone was the answer. <laughs> Yeah. The, the question, Cook the it.
1: question back last year was somebody said, Oh, but my mom has an Android phone and I can't right, communicate right. fully. And his answer was, Well, just buy your mom an iPhone if you love her. So <laughs> <laughs> the, I, I added the if you love her part at the end, but I think it was a yeah, Okay. Okay. Good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. All right. We'll keep watching that. Well, another story that you link to that involves Apple and mm-hmm. Google, which a little bit more of an interesting uh, aspect here. Um, how much does Google pay Apple? every year uh or, or part of their revenue every year from the google search results is that right is that an accurate way that people do yeah. on the iphone uh probably an answer that wasn't supposed to be known but it kind of slipped out, and a lot of people picked up on it
1: yeah every web browser out there um has a a search feature and for you know decades now Google would pay money if they were the default search feature and right. so way back you know 20 years ago Apple when it had its Safari web browser only on the Mac it negotiated with Google that you know if Google would be the default which of course made sense because Google was the best right. search engine but a right. certain percentage of sales that Google made by showing ads when you run a search that you initiate from the Safari search bar Apple would get those sales and so that you know in the very beginning days that was nothing but then as the Safari web browser came to the iPhone and the iPhone became so dominant um suddenly Suddenly, you know, the biggest way that Google could get search um and thus can get revenue from ads and search on the iPhone was because of this deal that they had in Apple. And we've always okay. known that Google pays Apple a lot of money for it. And Google gets, I'm sure, a lot of value out of it. But Apple does, too. But as you said, Brett, it was during the trial this week that a witness revealed on the stand and he wasn't supposed to say it. But, you know, sometimes in trials, people just it say things out, out loud and then they right. are in the public record. And there was a Bloomberg <laughs> reporter there sitting watching it that um 30... Dope. 6% and you know this this number is interesting wow. the percentage is interesting because it's big you know over a third but the dollars are interesting too because it has been estimated and Apple's revealed some of this I think in the past but I I I want to say that it's something like 18 or so billion dollar billion with a b billion dollars that Apple is getting from Google and you know so <laughs> think about incredible. that for a second you know yeah. Apple Apple likes to talk about how we are the company that you know care about your privacy, right? They have big ads that they run about privacy, sure. and you know, we're uh-huh. not trying to sell you as a product, we are selling you an iPhone. It's other companies like Google that are trying to make money off of the searches that you do, but the reality is, Apple's making very good money off of the searches mm-hmm. that you do if they're making around 18 billion dollars a year. Um, you know, it, a couple of years ago, Apple was making about a hundred billion dollars in profit every year, I think now it's closer to like 160, but you know. It, Let's just say over 10% of Apple's profit, because I'm sure this is all profit, over 10% of Apple's profit is coming from people, you know, running searches and Google, you know, selling those ads. And so, you know, if you think about, you know... I can say I'm a lawyer, but if 10% of my profit comes from selling popcorn, well, you know, I'm sort of a popcorn person too. And so likewise, (laughs) Apple, they may sell hardware and services of their own, but they also are in the search business. So that's one interesting thing. And then of course, if 36% is Apple, the other 60% is Google. And so that's why I think it's interesting. We were just talking about the, um, you know, Google versus Apple when it comes to text messaging and RCS and all that sort of stuff. You know, Google has Android and Apple has iPhone, but Google is making money off of every iPhone because of these ads. Um, You know, there was a time, Brett, I'm sure you're going to remember the statistic, but, you know, years and years and years ago, Microsoft used to say that they actually made more money off of every Mac user than they did Uh, every PC user because PC users would buy a Windows computer that has Microsoft Office built in So there wouldn't be as much profit, but Apple users would often go out and purchase Microsoft office. And so just, just, just on a per user basis, Microsoft would boast, you know, if someone's going to be a Mac user, they're actually going to pay us more than if they were a windows user, which is always a funny statistic. And now we have something similar here that people that are purchasing iPhones are Mm -hmm. actually paying quite a bit. I mean, not directly, but you know, Google is making money off of you, even if you're an iPhone person. And so, you know, it just shows that all these companies are all very interrelated. There's these relationships, and they may be competitors, but they also are each making money off of each other and have a vested interest in the other one um, continuing to do what they do. It's really interesting.
0: I uh, contribute a good amount of this every day <laughs> because <laughs> that Google is my default search engine of in course, Safari. Yeah. And I remember uh, not too long ago, right? I think we only had a couple of options in the search engine default setting. And you go to your settings in your iPhone, you go to Safari, you can dictate which search engine you want to be the default. And I believe before maybe it was Google and maybe Yahoo, maybe Bing, I don't remember. But it seemed like not too long ago, Jeff, that DuckDuckGo was now an option. And it is an option in there now. You can have Google, Yahoo, Bing, DuckDuckGo, and then ecosia ecosia i'm not even familiar with that that's not familiar with that one one that i have in here as well i just remember it was a big deal when duck was like going to be like hey that's a that that's one that if you don't want any ads you don't want to participate in this you don't want to now you would know you don't want to give any percentage of your search results to to apple or google you could do that but i've tried the others jeff and I keep coming back to the Google basic search engine. Yeah, I just, just I feel better. like I get what I am typically looking for, and there's a reason why people are going back there. But you know, the the point is, you people can go and tell your Safari browser on your iPad and your iPhone to do a different default search engine. But I, I I'm assuming the default is when you put, pull it out of the box it's still going to be Google.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'll share before we leave this topic, Brett. I heard something funny this morning. I was listening to a podcast when I was coming into work called Dithering that has a guy named John Gruber on it from Darren yeah. Carball. And yeah. John, you know how sometimes, Brett, when you'll ask Siri, you know, a question, and instead of giving you an answer, it'll say, you know, you you go search search the answer on, you know, if you want more, search for. Here's it on what Safari. I found
0: on the web. Ex- yeah.
1: Here's what I found on the web. Uh, John's gro- w- joke was uh, maybe Apple's doing that because they can make a little revenue. <laughs> you can Go search for it on the web, which I'm I, I'm sure <laughs> is just a joke. But it is sort of funny that maybe Siri has a vested interest in getting you to run that Google search so that Apple can make its 36%. Who knows? I like the way John
0: thinks. That's good stuff. Well, good news. If you have ever relied on the emergency satellite coverage with your iPhone 14, um, it's going to be extended. You, you know, it, one of my favorite things that we do now, Jeff, is when we have a where yet segment. I don't think we have one this week, folks. I'm sorry, but I love doing this. And a couple of times we reported on how incredibly helpful and amazingly helpful that this satellite emergency system has been uh, to save folks really that have been stranded uh, either through, (laughs) through their own fault or no fault of their own or whatever the case may be. The point is, is that even when there's not cellular access that they could actually, I mean, you know, some of it is like when the satellite is just right at the right position and then they can connect with that satellite. And it's just enough of a text message to get to the emergency personnel to let them to let them know where where this poor person is. Um, I suspected, just like Dan talks about in this link uh, story that you link to that. I, I don't know how Apple can stop this as a free service almost, Jeff. I, I mean, maybe you got a different take on it, but it was only for a year. You bought an iPhone 14, right? And it was for a year. But now they have officially said, we're going to extend it for another year. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, so th- it's still the rule that if you buy a new iPhone, you get it for a year. But if you've already used up your first year, you're going to get us another year too. And so we'll see what happens a year okay. from now. You know, on the one hand, I see what you're saying, Brett, because what you're saying is, why would Apple want to start saying, you know, oh. if you know, if you don't want to die, you have yeah. to pay us money? And I can understand you. On the other hand brett you know there are companies like garmin that specifically sell satellite you know radios oh, and security specifically you know, true. Specifically, yeah, you know right. and, and right. you know nobody says that garmin should give its things away for free because it could be life-saving people know that they need to pay for that and so i don't know what Apple's going to do um mm. my, my personal hope is that if apple does monetize this it will say, look, it's going to be included if you subscribe to X, you know, any of these sorts of services, yeah. if you, if you buy, you know, so maybe there'll be a way that it'll be a sort of a built-in price. Um, but the thing is, you know, this is one of those things. It's, it's, it's like buying insurance. You hope you never need it. <laughs> but if you ever do. Oh my goodness, you know, are you glad that you have it? I didn't link to it, but true, there was an, an article that, this week that uh, I think Chance Miller wrote, 9 to 5 Mac. And the question that he answered in the article was Should you buy an Apple Watch that has cellular on it? And he was talking about the advantages. Yeah. And, you know, one of the big advantages of cellular is if you ever find yourself in a situation where all you have with you is your watch and something horrible happens, whether you, right. if you fall and it's crash oh, detection, like that, right. or if you're right. in an emergency, you need to call, you know, you can always do it. And, you know, peop- people that were coming commenting on his posts were saying, you know, yeah, it's another, you know, hundred bucks or 200 bucks, you know, whatever it is a year to pay for it, but the security that you get is so worth it. And so, you know, how much is it worth paying on security? You know, I guess we all have to answer those questions every day when we buy things. And And I personally don't, consider myself a person that goes off the grid very often. So I don't know right. that satellite SIS is going to help me. Right. It's more likely to help you, Brett, because you sometimes go hiking in places exactly. that are off the grid. But, yeah. um, but I do like that it's there just in case, you know, just in case I'm driving in the middle of the nowhere or something like that, going to a, a deposition somewhere or going to go interview a witness in the middle of a state and I don't know where I am. I like right. that I have that feature. And so I probably would pay something for it, but I'm glad I don't have to think about it now because Apple's just yeah. continuing not to charge for it.
0: Well, the quickly on the watch thing, I've, I have come full circle to that. Like to me right now, if I get an Apple watch, I will probably have a cellular plan with it, even mm-hmm. though this past year is with this Apple watch ultra is the first time that I've done that. But going back to the phone thing here, he, here's the difference that I see, Jeff. If, you know, Garmin has always charged for it. <laughs> and yeah. so and so if i knew that i wanted a garmin quality you know a uh, uh, device then i would have gone and purchased it the thing is apple should have charged for this from the beginning i guess is what i would say because now anybody that got an iphone 14 back a year ago had this option in there right and so to, even if you were not aware of it i mean at least it was there right so that it would have it but it's like now i feel like how can apple (laughs) go back and start charging for this because you know there's going to be a good amount of people that don't realize that they need to actually pay for this or sign up you know Mm -hmm. as much marketing as that apple may do there's still going to be some people that won't sign up for it they're going to get caught and they could have been saved if they had this on there, it's like, that's going to be blood on Apple's hands. <laughs> like, yeah. Boy, anyway, that's my take on it. It's like, I am thrilled that they're doing it. Don't let me take anything away from Apple. The fact that they are doing another year, even Dan down here says this, yeah, um that he suspected they were going to do this. But as yeah, he says, me too definitely doesn't want to apple doesn't want to be in a position of having a customer unable to use the service because they didn't pony up for an additional monthly cost and i kind of i kind of uh so you know all that to say i mean again i know how incredibly expensive satellite connections are i think apple has rolled this out extremely well with the little tiny you know pieces and and bits of text communication that can happen there but i'm like oh my goodness you know just wrap that into another bonus that you can get you know from an apple iphone like i, I just yeah. feel like it would it could be bad if they start charging but here's
1: my prediction simple. brett this is what yeah. i mean consistent with what you're yes? saying i Please. think that apple you know apple's now been testing this for a year they're going to test it for another year they're going to know how much it actually costs them to run the service and, and what the cost point. is running it. Yeah. um yeah. there's talk that apple is getting even more satellites online and maybe take a few years but i think that at some point in the future <laughs> yeah. Apple's going to sell a service and the service is going to be you can use our satellites for just regular text messages. Maybe it'll go back to the days of saying like, you know, because it's still expensive to send it via satellite. It might be like you get, you know, 10 texts a month or hundred texts a month for a certain right. price. And right. my guess is what Apple's going to That's say, look, fine. we have our, we yeah. have our free package, which is, yes. you know, Thank emergency you. services and you get, one text a month there's something just to sort of come onto the service and then they'll have tiers and and through the the cost of the entire package it'll monetize the whole thing and pay for it that's my prediction but i think that that technology is still a few years away but i do think that we're going to get there one day
0: yeah good stuff you know you mentioned john gruber i would like to be john gruber i would have liked to have been John Gruber (laughs) this past week because he got a special invite to go to New York, I think he's out of Philadelphia. He got mm-hmm. to go to New York and use his iPhone 15 Pro to record spatial video, and then, or, or I guess, photos, right? And then he got to see it on a Vision Pro in a very, you know, uh, elaborate. Apple constructed, specialized, you know, focused uh, environment, of course. Uh, but I, I was mesmerized a little bit by reading this story. And then I think you also linked to some other folks. Joanna Stern did this and other folks from CNET and uh, Wall Street Journal. Uh, that's Joanna as well. Uh, interesting stuff here. Just to kind of, I think Apple is really doing a very good job of kind of just continuing to wet our appetites for what they haven't released until who knows when, January, February of next year with the Vision Pro.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited about the Vision Pro. When Apple first debuted it, and they showed off the ability to have these uh, spatial video. um, And uh, initially, Apple said you could record it with the Vision Pro. And we all joked about that, because it's like, who wants to walk around recording video with this thing on your face? But what what we're all very used to doing is just holding up our iPhone and recording video that way. And so one of the things that Apple did with the newest iPhone 15 Pro, like you and I have, is they moved around these cameras in the back. So right now, this camera that I'm pointing to, which is all the way in the corner, this this is the, the 0.5. This is the ultra five one, okay. ultra, the, the ultra right. wide one. And then the one that's right next to it here is the regular camera that you use for okay. your, your, your normal shots. Um, and then the, the one down here is the telephoto. And so these two that are right next to each other, if you're holding up your phone left and right, what Apple is now doing is turning that into one is your left Ooh. eye and one is your right eye to take these, you know, 3D spatial videos. And now those two cameras on the back of your iPhone are pretty close to each other. Certainly, much closer than your eyes are. But according to the people that that tested this last week with Apple, they've said it actually works pretty well. That if you're recording video with your iPhone, just using you know those are only about an inch apart, um, but recording some video with one and some with the other, and then you later look at it with the Vision Pro, it does look right just just like you were something like like 3D or uh, 3D like in a real life sense of 3D, not in not oh. in a special effects 3D. Right, but it feels. Right you know, more like your actual there. It's, it's not unlike the difference between listening to music in mono, which can sound fine, but then you listen to it in stereo and suddenly it feels all the more enveloping because it's, you know, different things and different sides. And so, um, I love that you'll be able to use an iPhone to capture memories that you can later recreate using the Vision Pro. And I, would, I mean, Apple only allowed a few reviewers to see it last week. I think you named <laughs> most of them, but um, right. <laughs> all of them were incredibly enthusiastic about the results, saying that it really, really seems you know fantastic. So I mean, as I joked today, I don't know when uh, seventeen point two is going to come out. I presume it's going to come out in the next few weeks, but certainly by the holidays this year, uh, you know, Christmas for me. I'm going to definitely record some video yeah. using this because, you know, although I won't be able to appreciate it now, at some point right. in the future, I'm sure I'll have a Vision Pro and it'll be cool to appreciate, you know, the the memories that I'm recording now in the future. There's currently some limitations, Brett, like it doesn't have 4K. It can only do 1080p and that's just yeah, right, because of the quality right. of the ultra wide right. camera. You know, Apple might fix that next year, maybe next year's iPhone 16 will be able to record 4K for spatial video as opposed to this year's. But, um, right. but you know, it still looks like it's a pretty compelling thing. So I think it's really cool. And the last thing I'll say is whenever we hear these these little stories about the, the, the Vision Pro, um, and, you know, maybe there's some bias because the people that are invited to use it are just so excited that they had the opportunity right. that maybe they're more effervescent than they should be. But right. these are reporters that are supposed to be, you know, somewhat, you know, objective. And they have all come away they saying, a lot of this is, yeah. exactly. They see so right. much stuff for it, And they're like, you know, this is really, really cool. It yeah, makes me very excited point. that Apple might actually have something really interesting on its hands. We're going to all know next year when it's out. But for now, um, this could be really cool. I'm really looking forward to the Vision Pro.
0: Well, apparently you and John Gruber will be recording spatial video on your phones this this, this <laughs> year, this holiday season. He mentioned that in this piece that you linked to. And it just – when I read that and I figured you would be saying kind of the same thing, I am so glad now. We talked about this when we were getting our iPhone 15s that typically we got 256 gig or that's what I typically got, right? Was that the size of my drive? Because mm-hmm. I knew that I would be taking – photos. And that was plenty. I would watch the storage. And I think Apple has done a great job uh, recently with the photos app so that only, you know, the most recent photos maybe are actually on your hard drive on the, on the iPhone or the iPad. The others are still accessible, but in some cases you may have to download them. They've done a very good job. I think of balancing that out, but both of us, I believe upgraded to 512 gigs on our iPhones this year. I did, I followed your, your lead on that simply because I'm like, you know, there's, better i just i didn't even think about the vision pro the spatial video i just thought i want to do more 4k i want to do better pictures because i know there's going to be better cameras and so i upgraded so i'm glad that i did now for this from from that aspect and then the other thing quickly that you mentioned on here and people were showing some pictures i had no idea that apple changed the hardware orientation of the three cameras on the back, isn't that
1: interesting know? yeah
0: i did not know that and i don't think i've ever even seen that and when i was reading through this story I was just gobsmacked at this. I was like, really? Because in my mind, I know that wasn't, it probably wasn't that big of an engineering feat, you know, to change these around. But the fact that they did it tells me already that Apple is really, investing a lot of time and resources into setting up for this spatial video. In other mm-hmm. words, that gets me even a little bit more excited about the Vision Pro, whereas I thought maybe next year would just be Apple's kind of like, you know, let's just, you know, shoot a flare up in the sky and see, you know, h- h- how many people are going to look at it. But if they've done this from like a precursor almost, because what other reason would they be doing it? That tells me that they're really putting in a little bit more into Vision Pro than I kind of originally thought that they were going to. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Well, you mentioned 17.2, since we are currently on 17.1. And I thought this was an excellent article that you linked to from Gadget Hacks. 43 cool new features coming to your iPhone in 17.2. Some of these are kind of, I know we've talked about before, but others I was like, hey, that's going to be really cool. The journal app, for example, we have talked about, and some of the uh, additional Memoji components on there but there's some really good art like i'm even more excited about 17.2 now (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's going to have a lot. And you know, some of these features are not much more than just like one additional setting in an app. Um sure. so the number the number 43 might actually it might not feel like 43 different features, but they are different things and they are improvements <laughs> here and there. You know, you've yeah. got the big ones like the journal app, which is a brand new app and if yeah. you're interested in journaling and tracking your daily activities, it's going to be um, right. exciting. Right. And then other ones are less important like some of them that you're flipping by right here, but yeah, it just right. it just shows you that there's going to be a lot in this update. And so I'm really um I'm 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 looking forward to it
0: i I didn't realize there was going to be as many like small slight changes like you're talking about in the music app in the app store app in the tv app like you know and to me it sort of that just makes sense and i probably wouldn't even you know realize it other than just the next time that I opened it, it was like, hey, that's kind of neat. You know, the button's in a different place. Mm-hmm. But I just like how he lays that out here in the Gadget Hacks, uh site. And it's like, oh, okay. Like you said, you know, each one of these may not justify its own little listing here uh, to, to get to 43. But there, there's some really cool, I think, you know, minor tweak slash upgrades in here that, uh, yeah, that are going to be helpful on that. And like you said, yeah. you think it's going to be in maybe the next week or two, right? For 17.2? Mm,
1: well, next week's Thanksgiving. I don't think it's going to come out next week. Okay, but, good point. But we're, we're not that far far away i mean people seem to say i I think we're definitely going to have it before the holidays so i wouldn't expect you know maybe the first the last week of november first week december something like that
0: yeah here's one of my favorite the digital clock widget on your home screen Hmm. i don't i usually don't put i mean most of the time i can look up in the upper left corner and see the time right but if i wanted to add a widget the only option was the analog clock wasn't that yeah. correct before? But, but now you actually can have a digital uh, option there. I mean, again, it's a tiny minor tweak, but it's just neat that it, you know, it's at least something there. Uh, you also linked to the watch OS 10 update. No, what was this exactly here? Oh, yeah. Oh, about swiping to change your watch faces. Please explain yeah. a little bit more, my friend.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a long time, um, you've been able to swipe between different watch faces on your Apple Watch just by, you know, swiping left to right. And I do it a lot because I have like the watch face that I'm looking at right now has like my circles and stuff. I'm like trying to track my circles during the day. But then sometimes I want to swipe over to like the Snoopy watch face, which is really funny. Or I might want to swipe over to something that has the time really, really big if I'm going to be outside in bright lights. And I like... Switching Apple Watch faces, sure. And it used to be so easy, and now it's harder. Ever since the uh, WatchOS ten, which came out what a, a month or two ago, now you right. need to first push down on your screen, which just you know hold your finger in the screen for two seconds until you feel the, the field, a little click, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. and then you can use the digital crown, or you can swipe back and forth. And I yeah. just don't like that extra step of first having to push down. Yeah, I, I, I would I, I would prefer to just swipe back and forth. And so I was thrilled to see that at okay. least in the current. Beta version of 10.2. It's an option that I don't think it's going to be on by default. I think you have to go into settings and turn it on, but that's fine. I'll go into settings and turn it on because I preferred it the way that it used to be. And I know it's a minor thing. I'm like, why why am I complaining about something so small? But again, I do change my watch faces throughout the day, and every time I do it now, it bothers me just a little bit. And you know, (laughs) nobody likes to be bothered even for a second or two every single day, multiple times a day. So I I really hope this feature comes out in 10.2.
0: Yeah, you you know, I mean. I, I remember doing that not maybe as often as you, but now that I can't do anything. in other words, it seemed like that Apple should have swapped it out that feature with swiping back and forth with another feature, right? Mm-hmm. But they just killed it. Like there's nothing. Like I just like the idea that if I did want to switch back and forth that I would have that option. Now I just accidentally kind of keep hitting uh, widgets on here, <laughs> which is not uh, which mm-hmm. is not good. Okay, good. That's uh watch OS 10.2 and we Something don't really... to watch out for. Yeah, we don't know when that's going to happen right on there. So. Um, you know, I mentioned our where you're at segment, which uh, we don't have one today. Uh we, we do our I our uh in the know segment. We I think we're going to start having to have like a home automation segment, Jeff. <laughs> we we keep coming up with these stories and I think it's just going to get more and more interesting. Uh yeah, we'll think about that. For our uh, uh automate my face maybe for our home automation uh feature today, the uh, Akara Aquara Aquara Ak- Ak- E1 Camera <laughs> delivers home kit secure video in a compact package. I really like the way this little uh, gadget looks here.
1: Yeah, Akara is one of the companies that they tend Akara, to be a little bit. You lower priced, but, they, but they're but they pretty good. People, I, I haven't tried any of them myself, but I know that people really like them, and they've got some stuff that works with uh, HomeKit Secure Video. As a reminder, you know, when you have a camera, whether it's external or internal, many of the companies that sell the cameras will say that, you know, they have a service that you need to pay for monthly, and they will keep your videos online so that you can go and you can view past videos. And there have been instances in the past of some of uh-huh. these companies, you know, they right, didn't program right. something correctly, and so some right. third parties are able able to view your videos. And nobody would certainly want to have a third party viewing videos from within your own house, right? That's a real privacy invasion. Um, So one of the things I like about Apple's HomeKit secure video system is that when your camera supports it, um, all of the videos are, are, they're incredibly encrypted. And yes, you can get to them online, but Apple has super duper protections on it. I, I trust Apple to do this correctly. And so it's its a service that I can trust more to have yeah. online access. So I have it turned on for, I, I have uh, U- uh, Euro cameras at my house and right, I don't right. use Eero's service. They have one. I just don't pay for it. I don't use it. I just use Apple's HomeKit secure video. And there are some downsides too, like my cameras, technically support 2K video, but um, Apple secure video only supports 1080p. So there's there's some compromises to have it. But anyway, so if if you're looking for a camera, whether it's an indoor camera like this one or outdoor camera, a feature you might want to have is not just HomeKit support, but also Apple's... um, Apple's uh, HomeKit secure video support. And this looks yeah, like a relatively yeah. low priced. I think it's what, like $60? It's a relatively low yeah, priced camera that can sort of move around. And um, it's uh, so it's, it's, it looks like a nice alternative. It's something that I would definitely consider if I was in the market.
0: Could be something for the Christmas list. I like yeah, it's it.
1: it's 60, $60 on Amazon. So,
0: 60, okay, very good. It's also that time of the year, not just for Christmas, but also the App Store Awards. Uh, <laughs> I gotta be honest, I know we've covered this in the past, and I gotta be honest, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to it because I feel like most of the winners to me are I, I take it for granted. Like, okay, well, of course, you know, I, I'm trying to remember a couple of the the ones in the past, but I'm like, well, that mm-hmm. makes total sense. This year, I gotta I, I got a little skin in the game, I feel like, only because two of the three iPhone app of the year finalists are probably two of some of my favorite apps. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know which one I would actually pick out of this. So anyway, this page is great. And also just quickly, by the way, I remember back in the day, they used to do these app store awards and and I would really more focus on like local type um, apps mostly like games, for example, or, you know, something that I could do like on, on the iPhone itself. But the two of these three apps in my mind, I'm really relying probably more on the ability for it to connect to the internet and also GPS capabilities. So the three apps that are up for the iPhone app of the year finalists are all trails which I've had as my pick before, and then Duolingo, which is a great app for – my kids have been using that in the past when they were learning different languages, and the third finalist is Flighty, which has also been one of my tips. And so All Trails is a way that I track, like, different trails if I'm hiking somewhere. Flighty is an absolute must-have for me when I am traveling and flying – these are both great apps, Jeff. I don't know. I don't, I don't know yeah. what I would pick. I want them both to win. <laughs> and I'll
1: oh, tell you, Duol- to win really. <laughs> Duolingo too. Last year, when my wife and I traveled to Italy, I subscribed for a couple of months to Duolingo. Oh, you did to, okay. to learn uh, Italian, and I didn't get very far in it. But I tell you what, it was really helpful. The Duolingo app is—it's a great app for learning a language. And so yeah. I yeah. knew the basics of Italian, and I could sort of work my way around menus and simple phrases simply because you know, thanks to the Duolingo app. So I have because it's sort of gamified. It a little bit makes it fun to learn. So these are all fantastic apps, and these are just the app of the year finalists. I mean, when you scroll down the page, I know there's tons there's of other games, apps. And, right? You know, and I'm not a big game person, so a lot of these games I don't know. But there's lots of really interesting things here, and I love the idea that Apple will actually you know highlight these apps so that you can learn about. All these different yeah. ones that are out there that really push the system, you know, to to do its best or, or you know, really do something interesting or unique. So it's it's a great way to discover apps just sort of scrolling through the list and saying, huh, I might want to check this one out.
0: Yeah, because, you know, all of these apps, anytime that Apple is going to pick one, it's going to be a well-regarded, well-reviewed app. I mean, they always do a very good job. I just... I I I'm so torn. Like I I want all three of these to win the app of the year final because they're so they're, they're <laughs> all so good and and to be and honestly, um, just quickly I don't know Duolingo well as much, but All Trails and Flighty, just even over this past year, I have seen a quite a number of excellent upgrades. Like both of these companies have really put a lot into investing in that. And to me, again, they have just absolutely. To my, yeah. To my earlier point, it's like these are well used apps. So t- I think you even mentioned it in your post today, Jeff. You're like, some of these apps I have no idea about, but I want to go and try them, you know, just so that we can be aware, like these are going to be some good apps on there, but good luck. <laughs> It's to all luck of the all of above <laughs> and, and hoping that all of them can win that would be fantastic well let's take a moment quickly to thank our sponsor lit software we've talked about them a couple of times uh over the last few episodes and this is a company that you and i know very well simply just because of our professional career uh in the legal space that uh it just so happens we also do the professional career on the tech space. And so this is a great mix of both of these things because Lit Software makes some of the best apps that we recommend all the time for uh, legal professionals. If you're using an iPad, mostly, uh, but they will also work on a Mac these days as well. But if you're using an iPad, TrialPad is an excellent app for trial presentation, or frankly, any presentation, I tell people all the time, don't get hung up on the trial part of it. It is a great way to pull up a document and then zoom in or do a call out on a specific area or a page or a sentence. And then you can highlight using your iPad and then up on the screen, people just see exactly what you highlight or what you underline, et cetera. But Lit Software also makes another app that you've talked to and spoken about quite a bit, Transcript Pad, which is a good way to summarize transcripts that we might get from depositions or from court proceedings, and it's a great way to organize all of these transcripts in one place and then also apply issue tags. Lit software also. And, and also and
1: let me interrupt you for yeah, a second, Brett. Absolutely. Just
0: just last week, I'm getting ready for a trial
1: right now, and I was talking to a whole bunch of other attorneys. And we, you know, we've lots of depositions in the case, and we're like, Well, yes. you know, what did you know? Did did some witness talk about X? And like while everybody else is fumbling around, like in a second, I pulled yeah. up transcript pad, instantly Boom. found, did a search across all the witnesses. This is exactly what the witness said, and they said it again down here. So so absolutely. useful. But anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. But I mean transcript pad no, no, fantastic. Love
0: it. Go ahead. Because I tell people that all the time, because I'm going to guess at least some of those other folks that, that were in the room with you probably had paper copies of those transcripts, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so they were flipping back and forth. It's just annoying to do. Anyway, that's perfect. That's an exact perfect uh, example of why these are so great. But I was, uh, so we, we've done trial pad, transcript pad. Lit software also makes doc review pad, which I don't see as many people using, but it is an excellent app to be able to organize like a, a, a small ish set of documents that you might need to pull up for exactly the reason kind of. Along the lines of what you just said, Jeff, if you've got it like instead of a three ring binder or a box of documents, you know, that you might need to go and rumble around in Doc Review Pad allows you just to instantly get to a specific document so you can pull it up even for reference. But you can also then tag it, you know, with an issue designation or something else. And then there is a fourth app that Lit Software includes in their Lit Sweep which is called exhibits pad. Now that's a really very focused app that uh, the developers created for uh, giving an iPad to like a jury, for example, if they need to have the documents with them at the time, but it really, really works well when you need it. Those are the four apps currently right now that are available in the lit suite from lit software. All of those apps come uh, for $399 a year, which may initially sound a little crazy. People always like, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, Angry Birds is free. And I'm like, yeah, of course it is until you start having to pay for all the things. But this is really professional grade software. And you and I can both attest to the fact, Jeff, that even over all the years that we've known Lit Software, they continue to make amazing improvements. Even as we spoke last week about now the fact that you can sync text and video in transcript pad. Like that wasn't around, you know, eight months ago or so. And the fact that they're continuing to make these improvements is why this, um, uh, the subscription makes sense that what we'd just like to talk about quickly today is that's for an individual. If you are at a bigger company or an organization or such as a law firm, for example, and you would like to instead get multiple uh, individuals up and running on the lit software lit suite, there is an enterprise program that's available. Uh, we'll have the links in the show notes so you can go and get some more information, but there are some discounts available if you sign up for two years or three years at a time uh, so that you can put all of that into your budget and get that taken care of. Uh, there is uh, 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 the ability that you can take a license and apply it to another iPad. So some of the firms that I work with, Jeff, they may have, you know, uh, 20 licenses and they may have it assigned to certain individuals, but then they may also, you know. Somebody might leave the firm and they would need to reassign that license to another individual that brings in their iPad. And you mm, could absolutely take care of that with the enterprise. Or you can assign it to even iPads that are maybe just like you know firm-wide iPads that other people can use, that kind of a thing. Um anyway, we'll link to to some of the additional information in here for the enterprise. Option on this, but again, this is multi-year licensing with discounted pricing. There's other advantages. You get uh, you get some free training that's involved with that, so that you can make sure everybody's up to speed on it. Uh, and I would just like to say, you know, if if you've heard about these apps, even us talking about them, or you've heard about them from other people that you uh, connect with you can just go and use a seven day free trial for any of these apps, you know, just try it out. You get full access to all of this. In fact, right here on the page, there is a free trial uh, component here. You can go and download those for either your Mac or for your iPad, try it out, see how you can use it, see how great it is. You can ask us questions if you need to. And then if at that point, once you're convinced, you can reach out to us or even the folks at Lit Software if you wanted to talk to them about an enterprise license on there. Anything else you have to add, Jeff, on that?
1: I <laughs> uh, love the apps. use them all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty simple. We, just, we do want to say thank you to Lit Software uh, for being a sponsor here. You can tell both of us. Well, Jeff didn't get a chance to talk too much today, but you can tell that both of us are big fans of these apps and uh, happy to answer any questions on that. All right, in the know. Well, since I just talked in a lot, know. Jeff, how about you take the first, uh, the first uh, slab? What is your tip for in the know today?
1: So if you are the sort of person who enjoys listening to podcasts, and since you're listening to this one, I hope that that includes you, There, you know that there's a number of different (laughs) podcast apps out there, but the one that I encourage people to use is called Overcast. It is fantastic. You know, Apple's built-in podcast app, is it does get better every year, but Overcast is really the best one, and you can use it for free, and you can get access to advanced features by paying a very small uh, fee every year. There's so many things that I love about Overcast, but the one I was going to talk about today is playlists because, you know... I would, I would suspect that you know you don't just listen to one podcast you have a bunch of podcasts you listen to and the Overcast app does a great job of allowing you to have different playlists um, mm-hmm. so that to control what you want to listen to. And so, for example, I have a single playlist called New, which is my the, the main playlist that I use. And what it does, it includes just about all episodes of all of my podcasts oh, with a few exceptions. And yeah. I have it sorted newest to oldest because like, you know, maybe um, if I have a, a podcast I listen to, you know, I may have missed the the episode that came out two weeks ago, but if I go listen to it right now, I don't want to listen to two weeks ago's episode. I want to listen to the most recent one because it's the current news. If it's like a news oriented podcast like this one is, um, so I have them sort of newest to oldest, and you know, I I have you know all the stuff, but then I will exclude some. And you know, then another thing you can do with the list is you can have priority podcasts. So if you know that of all the podcasts I listen to, Ooh. you know, these two or three are my favorite they will go up to the top of the list automatically. And so the end result is every time I open the list of new, it includes, you know, at the very top are the ones that I'm going to want to listen to first
0: right and then it's right. going to
1: have the the latest episodes of the podcast that I want and for a lot of my podcast listening that works great. But then there's other types of podcasts too. there are some podcasts I call them sort of episodic podcasts where I want to listen to them in order sometimes, it's because it's a podcast that um isn't like a, a time related one. Like, you know, I right. have some podcasts that just describe like movies and books and stuff like that. And they're they're sort of, you know. You could listen to them in, in, in any order. I have some space podcasts I listen to that. Yeah, they have the, the current news of space, but you can just sort of listen to them in order. And I just prefer to listen to them from oldest to newest. And so I'll have a separate list of those podcasts. Or another good example is one of the things that I love doing. If there's a show that I really, really enjoy listening, enjoy watching, like, for example, the For All Mankind uh, show on Apple <laughs> yes. TV+, Plus, which I, right. which I always brag about and I love it. There's a, a great uh, podcast I listen to called uh, NASA Vending Machine, where uh, Jason Snow, <laughs> (laughs) and Dan Moore and talk about each episode. But that's one that I don't want that when they have a new episode come out, I don't want it to go to the top of my list because I may not have seen the episode yet. So like the last thing you want to be doing is driving Uh, around in the car and I I finish one podcast and suddenly they start spoiling the the show that I haven't seen yet. And so I might put that in a separate list and have it go oldest to newest because I'm going to want to listen to the order. So um, I like that you can have different lists. Um, There's also a built-in one called In Progress which is nice because you know sometimes i might start listening to a podcast and then you end up listening to a different one and the next thing you know you sort of forgot that you never listened to the the second half of that podcast right. And if right. it's a news related podcast, maybe it's no longer relevant. But if it's not, right. it's like, oh yeah, I, I do want to go back and listen to the rest of it. So right. this list that's called in progress, you could just easily see, here's the ones that I did not finish listening oh, to if wanna go back to them. Good. Um and then finally you can have a list called Q. This is one of their built-in options. And it's, you know, sometimes I will be reading or, or listening, or you you learn about a specific right. episode of, of a specific podcast, and you're like, you know, I want to listen to that one day. Maybe they interviewed an author of a book that I really enjoyed. And so I will take that episode and I'll just put it in the queue playlist. And there, therefore, at some point in the future, when I'm just like looking for something, I'm saying, oh yeah, this is sort of, it's like bookmarking. It's like I, I bookmarked it that at some point in the future, I want to listen to it. If I really enjoy it, maybe I'll go ahead and subscribe to that podcast to listen to all of their episodes. But oftentimes, no, I just want to hear like one specific episode of just this one, you know, specific podcast because of something that they talked about. So the ability to use the different lists is something that makes overcast really really effective i love it so, you know and the idea that they're smartless yeah. and that they're automatically updating it's just one i mean there's a million things i love about overcast app but this one feature alone makes it great this on top of all the other features it has just for me makes it the app to use
0: i think that your new playlist is brilliant i I guess i had turned that off like i i used to i only used a couple of playlists which i'll talk about in just a minute but uh, that's fantastic i love that idea about like the new playlist because probably like you jeff i've got so many podcasts that i have to scroll down to find the podcast first and then i go into the episodes but if i could just tap at the very top oh that's good in fact for some reason i turned off the in progress one as well and now i just turned it back on because now i can jump back yeah, I could jump back to the ones that uh, that that I use. Well, that's brilliant, and I, I would just say we know from our podcast stats that a lot of you out there are probably using are using Overcast, which is great. So here's. The little Easter egg that I found this past week in Overcast, Jeff, this I thought was absolutely brilliant and I hadn't seen anybody post about this. So here is the situation. I have a lot of podcasts in my Overcast app on my iPhone, but when I go out walking or running or hiking, I don't like to take my iPhone unless I have to, but I have my Apple watch, right? So what I do is I install the Overcast app on my Apple watch (laughs) This is going to take a little bit of explanation but go with me here. I have the Overcast app on my watch and I can tell the Overcast app on my Apple Watch that I want to synchronize or download the the episodes from this Particular playlist in my iPhone. So I, I, right now I've got a, an educational podcast that I've got several episodes that I wanted to listen to when I was out walking, right? So I created a playlist just like what we talked about on my iPhone on the Overcast app. And I, and then I went to my Apple Watch in the Overcast app on the Apple Watch and I said, Download the episodes from this playlist. And so what happens is the Apple watch and the iPhone synchronize, right? So there's a little, there's a little button that you can tap to synchronize the overcast app on your watch and your iPhone. And it does a good job most of the time of downloading those episodes in that playlist. But there was a time this past week when I needed to go quickly. I didn't have time for everything to synchronize up. So I went into my Apple watch on my Uh, overcast app. And I said, I want this episode to download now. And when I did that, there was an option there (laughs) that allows me to download when it was charging or to download when uh, right now, but I have to have the Apple watch face open at all times. Here's a little video. I found one video online that walks through this because when I said, I want to watch it, I want to keep the screen on. There is a little hidden game inside the app. So here's this gentleman going in. There's a little synchronization button in this video, and I know people listening can't see it. But now when he goes into this list, there's the download button. He taps the download button. You can download it when charging or keep the screen on. And if you tap keep the screen on, meaning that you don't want the screen to go off, so you have to keep the screen on. Mm -hmm. And as it's on, Marco Arment put a little <laughs> tiny game on your Apple Watch. Do you that see it? It's funny, like yeah. It looks like the little Pong game, but the little bricks that you're hitting, or I don't know, I forget what the, the name, I, I call it Pong, but it was something else, right? Uh, Brick Smasher no, this, or something this, this, like that. This is that. Pong, yeah, this Pong. So you have to use the digital crown to move the little slider at the bottom, to hit the little ball that goes up, and he's got a cute little thing of all of the little uh, icons of the podcast that you have downloaded on there. That's very I just clever. Thought this was absolutely so brilliant.
1: You have to keep the screen. You have to keep the Apple Watch on anyway for it to, to continue doing the correct. Download. And this yes. gives you something to do to keep your screen on. I have right, I, Brett. I had never heard of this before when you when you put this in the show notes today. I'm like, what are you talking about? I have never seen this, but this is very, very clever. And and I, I agree with yeah, you on the utility. By the way, it's. <laughs> I I also like you will sometimes like to download a podcast directly to my Apple Watch because I'm just yeah. listening to it directly from there. Right. But um, but this is very clever that he came up with this. Um, and see, this just shows you the people when you think about things like that, it That's shows right. that you have an app developer that is really, really thinking about yeah. the features yeah. of their app. That's one of the reasons yeah. I love Overcast so much. So, so thank you to very Chris D.
0: Funny, Jabet, funny. who posted this on Mastodon, what, about a year ago or so. And I agree, he calls this hecking delightful. And I absolutely agree. It was just <laughs> such a foot. Like, I actually didn't... I think I got out walking late, Jeff, because I sat there playing this silly game... <laughs> Because I'm just like, I had no idea something like that was in. But thank you, Marco, uh, who is the developer of Overcast, by the way. Uh, You know, it's almost like that's a pick. He should get an Apple App Store award uh, if he hasn't already. (laughs) (laughs) I think it should. All right, well, we want to quickly thank again our sponsor for today, Lit Software. If you have any more questions, you can go to litsoftware.com or certainly reach out to one of us. We are more than happy to talk about it. Jeff has multiple posts on iPhone JD where you can go and learn a little bit more about any of these apps as we've talked about. Ah, uh, Woo, good stuff today. Thanks, Jeff, as always, and we'll talk with you next week.
1: Thanks, Brett, and for all of our listeners in the United States, uh, have a great Thanksgiving next week. Bye-bye.